Glenfiddich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. Welcome to another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. You know, golf has had a lot to talk about in the last few weeks. There's so much going on in the golf world. I do not want to completely, you know, Justin Thomas brought up a good point yesterday and that it feels almost like we've overshadowed what's going on this week. Another major championship, the U S open with everything going on with the uh, Saudi league. And I know it has another name and you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it, but I'm, I'm going to I'm, refer to it. Uh, I'm perfect with the Saudi league. That's what <laughs> as it is. A, as a Saudi league. And uh, this week joining us, I mean, Brendel's like family here on here on the podcast. We have Brandel on and I, I really enjoy having Brandel on. So Brandel, I want to get your thoughts on, because I, I do want to give, uh, some spotlight and put some on the U S open. Cause it is an important golf tournament this week. So uh, you are there doing live from the U S open every single day. And so talk a little bit about the golf course. I know it's the fourth U S open they've had Ryder cups, USAMs all at the country club there. So talk a little bit about the golf course and what we expect to see this week. Well, obviously the golf course occupies a pretty unique space in the, in the world of golf, especially, especially uh, in the world of uh, American golf. Right. Uh, having uh, been, I think, the site of the most important championship to American golf in 1913. So if your audience is, is they're probably pretty uh, well aware of that event. Uh, right. What I think is interesting about this particular U.S. Open is we haven't been here since the solid core golf ball came along. We haven't been here since the, the, the rebound effect in drivers. We haven't been here since graphite took over and 45-inch drivers and players became more fit. 1988 was the last time a U.S. Open was here. Six under par, one, uh, and it was a playoff between Curtis Strange and Nick Faldo. Nick Faldo did something that week that's never been done in a U.S. Open. Uh, there were only three par threes then, so there were 60 fairways that he could hit. He hit 56 of them. No one in the history of statistics wow. has hit more than 56 fairways uh, in a U.S. Open. Uh, Curtis Strange was also uh, a very straight driver of the golf ball. I suspect this U.S. Open leaderboard is not going to look anything like that. Uh, the golf course is only about 250 yards longer than it was. In 1988, the average driving distance then was right around 260 yards. Now it's right around 300 yards. So uh, I'm curious to see how this golf course holds up. Uh, it is uh, the, the the players have called it, and the USGA officials have called it wonderfully quirky. Uh, I don't I don't call it quirky. I, I just call it um, an old style golf course, a golden age golf course, because there is a lot of movement in these fairways. When this golf course was built. They didn't have uh, earth-moving equipment. They couldn't move rock under the fairways. They couldn't change rock outcroppings. They just had to deal with what the land gave them. So uh, I'm curious if the golf course will hold up. Obviously, we we were here, obviously, in 1999 at the Ryder Cup in a, in a big way, but the players weren't posting scores then. Uh, they were contesting uh, in, in match play. Power is more dominant in the game of golf, and I just want to see uh, if the rough holds up, if the green complexes hold up, uh, and if the golf course holds up. The one thing I will say, though, since 2007, the only U.S. Opens that have been contested and finished with an overpar winning score are golf courses that were uh, built in the golden age of architecture. So that's uh, Shinnecock in 2018. Right. You go to Marion in 2013, Olympic in 2012, and in 2007, it was Oakmont. Those are the only four golf courses or four times since 2007 that the U.S. Open winner has finished overpar. And nobody certainly thought that would be the winning score at Marion and this golf course has, and I think some players alluded to it yesterday that this was sort of a, an, a Marion on steroids. And if that's the right. case, then the golf course will hold up. 
I hope it does. I'm, I'm excited for this week. And also, since there is all this talk about money, in, uh, in 1988, the U.S. Open, the winning share of the purse. Do you know what it was, Randall? No, I don't. I, I would guess it was, I don't know, did he win uh, $150,000? $180,000 was the take home. It'll be a little bit more this week. <laughs> That's more than Francis we met made in 1913. <laughs> it is a lot more. I think it was 17,000 then if I remember. Uh, don't hold me to that, but I believe it was 17,000. So, you know what? How did we go from, if you remember the last time you and I spoke, the Saudi League was something that we appeared somewhat to think that it was dead in the water. And it was really kind of like, it was, it was a joke. It was also taboo that anybody was going over there. How did we get to where we are now to, we have an event in the books, Charles Schwartzel wins the, uh, the inaugural event, whatever you want to call it. And I just, I just don't think it's good. I, I mean, I, and I know that my opinion is, is probably in the, in, in the minority. I know you and I agree. I just don't think it's good for golf. I don't think it's good to see somebody like Greg Norman, who was once on the PGA tour and Phil Mickelson. It would be like, I, I believe Rich Lerner said this yesterday. It would be something as if, uh, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley decided to get together and or LeBron James and tear down the NBA and go start a rival league and recruit players out of the NBA. It feels like that's what's happening and where the money's coming from. It just feels wrong. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. If you think about eh, pretty much every single great player, I mean, truly great player in the history of this game, uh, you know, they ascend to a spot that it's, it's about more than them winning golf tournaments and making money. It is about how they treat the game because people look at them as leaders. So, you know, we'll go back to Harry Varden. Uh, we'll go back to Bobby Jones. It wasn't about money. Then it was about championships for him. But if you think about the way Varden and Jones and Hogan and Nelson uh, and Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus and Tom Watson, even the way Tiger Woods has, has treated the game, certainly uh, more recently, uh, they've left the game in a better place. Uh, I think that is, uh, a great part of the traditions of the game of golf, uh, and it is a great part of the legacy of the game of golf. So when you look at what Phil Mickelson and Greg Norman are doing, uh, it's never been done, as far as I can tell, in any Hall of Fame, but I think both of them should be kicked out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I think there's there's a reason for that. They're they're destroying the professional game. They've They've been put in the Hall of Fame because of their accomplishments and because of their legacy. Uh, well, they've tainted their legacy. Uh, in an irreparable way. So I, I think both of them should be kicked out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, I really do. Uh, this is a bit like, you know, if you try to find equivalent moments in sport, <clears throat> this is, you know, like the Black Sox, perhaps, when those eight players were kicked off the team. We still talk about shoeless Joe Jackson uh, some, but it, it's really hard to find an equivalent moment in the history of sports quite like this. Uh, but if you look at what the saudi back league is doing, I'm not surprised that players are going over there. Some of them will. Uh, they, there's just too much money. Uh, they have uh, uh, an unlimited budget. They've got all those petrodollars. Uh, unfortunately, there's some, guys, the world there's some guys I don't blame. Like, for example, Richard Bland, for example, does not have status on the Champions Tour. I understand. For some guys, I get it. What I don't get is, is somebody will use, for example, he finished last last week, Andy Ogletree. <clears throat> Now, as they add players, they've added Bryson, they've added Patrick Reed. I know there's been a few other people that have been added and other names are rumored to be headed that way. If Andy Ogletree decides now that, let's say that he finished last last week, he made $120,000, he finished in last place. When somebody else comes on board, he gets booted out if they stay at this 48-player limit. Where does he go to play? He, is he only now able to play on the Asian tour? 
Yeah, that's probably right. You know, this thing's going to eventually go to court and it's going to be fleshed out there. Uh, but look, if uh, the, your, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour prevail, they'll have no place to play. Uh, and you raise a very good point. And I think that will, you know, the goal is Liv thought that they would easily get, you know, 48 of the best players in the world. Uh, well, that certainly wasn't the case. It, even if you're in this business and you went down that 48 player field last week, you didn't know half of them, right. two thirds of them. You didn't know them. No. Uh, and you had to look to find out what their world ranking was. And you couldn't even find them because the world rankings, you go down to a thousand and they weren't there. Uh, yes, those players are going to get pushed shot. Even a player like Pat Perez. Pat Perez is 176 in the world. He's defecting over there. Well, enjoy your time because if they have any momentum at all, Pat Perez will be pushed a shot aside. You know, what possible value is he going to bring to that tour once players who are far more successful than him and far more marketable than him come to the forefront? He will be pushed aside. Now, he'll have no place to play. Maybe that's fine with him. Maybe he'll take his 60% because he's only going to get 60% of the money they promise him up front. So what are they going to promise Pat Perez? I mean, what would he be worth? I don't know. A few million bucks, five million bucks. Uh, so he's going to get 60% of that up front. And that's it. You're done. You're done. You're, you know, if the PGA Tour prevails in the courts, and they're pretty sure they are, if they do, he's not playing the Champions Tour. He's not playing the PGA Tour. He's, he's done. He's not playing corn. For, he's nothing. He's got no avenue to go play golf. And, and maybe that's fine with him. Uh, maybe he'll go do something else. Uh, but that's going to happen to a, a number of players. Uh, players will defect. They'll continue to go over there. But if, if, the, if the Live Tour doesn't get world ranking points, uh, that's a huge domino. That's a huge hurdle for them to get over. Right. Uh, because then how and, do you get into the major championships? Right. Their, their world ranks are going to decay. Their value as a player is going to decay. Uh, people are going to be watching that tour and going, well, I don't know. Who am I watching? Andy Ogletree. What's he ranked in the world? I don't know. 2000? Uh, or wait, he's not even ranked? Well, what am I watching? Uh, you know, and, and it becomes quite clear that you're not watching the best players in the world. Uh, what they'll never gain on the PGA Tour, never. They will never have this over the PGA Tour is the competitiveness. They will never have this. Noblo, Frank Noblo made this point to me yesterday. It was a great point. He said, look, Charles Schwartzel didn't choke for $4 million, but he would have choked for the U.S. Open. You know, and Roy McIlroy wouldn't have choked for $4 million, but he, you know, he, you know, it, players choke for championships. Mm -hmm. They choke for meaningful events. They don't necessarily choke for, for money. Um, we'd like to think they do, but there's hardly uh, any evidence of that. They choke for meaningful championships, lasting championships, and and they and the the prestige. It's not about winning so much as it is who you beat. I only won one PGA Tour event in my career, uh, but people always ask me who I beat. You know who was in the mix. Uh, you know, and it was Payne Stewart. Uh, the the fact that I was in a head to head with Payne Stewart over that weekend made the event more meaningful and made the pressure much greater as we were coming down uh, the stretch. I could hardly tell you how much money I made in winning that event, but I can darn sure tell you that I was in a head-to-head -head battle with Payne Stewart right. uh, and, I, and I won a championship. So I'm not sure what it is that Charles thinks he won last week. He won a hit and giggle. He won an exhibition. Um, you know, he, he got $4 million. Um, but by no stretch of the imagination were we watching great golf there. No. We were watching. We were watching players who, you know, are nowhere near as competitive as they used to be, and they're over there purely playing for uh, blood money.
Oh, it's absolutely for money. But it, what's been good for the tour is the last four winners here that we've had, the PGA, the Charles Schwab, uh, the Memorial, and then last week at the RBC, we have had people who won, especially three of them, in Justin Thomas, uh, Billy Horschel, and uh, Roy McElroy, who have been staunch supporters of the PGA Tour, and they want nothing to do. And Sam Burns also won. Sam Burns has also said you know, that he is definitely here for the PGA Tour. But the tour has had good winners. The golf that we saw on Sunday between Justin Thomas and Roy McElroy and Tony Finau, you're not seeing that same competition. I mean, those guys, the three of them in the final group, I think the worst score was like 65 or 64 was the worst score of the group. That's not the quality of golf you're going to see over there. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. Yeah, it was an in-your-face. It was a statement for sure. I, I think it, ultimately the uh, Saudi back tour will fail. Uh, I, it will fail. It will fail because of world ranking points. It will fail because of lack of interest. It will fail because sponsors are not going to get on board. It will fail for any number of reasons, not least of which that it's co- the money's coming from the wrong place. It's good versus evil. Uh, evil usually fails. Right. Uh, so it, it will fail. And when it and when it fails, I, I think people might begin to look at what transpired on Sunday, back and forth between uh, Rory and Justin and, and Tony Finau, uh, as one of the most important uh, professional tournaments. Uh, maybe a hundred years from now, they might well be looking at that event as sort of a turning point, the PGA Tour, when they so defiantly said, "This is what the best professional golf looks like. This is what the best players look like. This is what." the most popular players, the best players and the height of competition in golf actually looks like fella. It was just a direct um, counter to the facade of a, of a golf tournament that completed on Saturday, uh, the height of the championship. Uh, you know, and look, people think, uh, you know, you're, you're, I don't work for the PGA tour. I don't, I don't benefit from the PGA tour. Nobody pays me from the PGA right. tour. Uh, the reason I say this is because look, if this money were coming from Switzerland, England, Great Britain, France, pick any other country. Uh, it wouldn't bother me in the least. I would call this competition. Now, no way this amount of money would come from a place where market values are being employed. This is not about market principles. That's the problem with this. Right. Uh, and again, uh, you know that they're essentially manipulating the market with corruption to have a hostile taker over the game of golf. So it. I would have no problem with a competing tour coming up, trying to entice the best players. Competition is great. Right. Give it to me, bring it. There is no return on investment here. When you look at this and the money that they've doled out, and that's just the money that we know. We know they gave Phil 200 million. We know they gave Dustin, what, 150. They know they gave, we know they gave Bryson 100 million. So you're talking, I mean, we're, we're almost a half a billion dollars in, and that's not included in the money that they paid in the winnings and the money that they've given other guys. They have no sponsors. They have no TV deal. And the majority of the tickets are free. Where, where is the return on investment? Anybody who does business, I don't care if it's a lemonade stand. Your plan is, hey, we it costs us 10 bucks to make this lemonade. And if we sell it for a dollar a cup, we make money after 10 people. 
there is no return on investment here. Not, not yeah. today, not tomorrow, not in five years from now. Yeah, Paul McGinley, who has had dealings uh, with the Saudis, they've come to the table because saw, uh, Paul's on the board of the DP World Tour. Uh, and he says they, they care a great deal about return on investment. When they send this money out and this fund all over the world, they really do care about an investment. Uh, so he was making the point last night that, that because they've spent so much money on golf, I think golfers, in by and large, have overestimated their value. I think anybody who's running this Saudi have overestimated their value. You're on you're on a podcast here. We run a channel that runs 24 hours a day promoting these golfers right. around around the clock, right? We have all these promotion she- machines in work. Nobody would know who Pat Perez was if we we weren't sitting on TV talking about. It. We, right. Nobody would nobody would know who really Matt Wolf is. Nobody would know who um, you know Charles Schwartz. He, I know he won the Masters, right? But the casual golf fan would have forgotten about that. We the you you talk about it. There's all these podcasts in this country that talk about it. We sat on a channel that talked about it. I, I think this, the Saudis have overestimated the value to some extent uh, of these players. Certainly the players themselves, uh, listening to Phil and Greg Norman, who have been lavishly, lavishly compensated for their success mm-hmm. in the game of golf. Phil is the 11th highest earning athlete of all time. Phil Mickelson is. Yes. He, he, you know, he's ahead of, of, of people who were far more successful in far more popular sports uh, than his uh, sport. Golf, comparatively speaking to soccer or football or basketball, is only marginally watched uh, and only marginally participated in. Right. And yet, why, why have these players made so much? Because they have marketing machines around them constantly telling the world that they're philanthropic, that they're great people, that they run – great organizations that they're great family people and and we sell them constantly. Uh, and so here comes the corporations. They want to align themselves with these players. Uh, and they do, and they make enormous amounts of money outside of the realm of their sport. Uh, that money will go like that because yeah. no longer do corporations want to align themselves with Phil Mickelson. Or we Greg saw it with Bryson. We saw it with Bryson. Or, Rocket Mortgage uh, pulled out immediately when he said he was going over. I'm wondering where will we see every I'm not I'm not singling out any club manufacturer here. I'm talking all the club manufacturers. They're all involved because there's somebody from each manufacturer. Do you think we'll see some club manufacturers that will pull back from guys who are maybe some flagship players for them? They will pull back, maybe not pull out, but that person will be pulled back and maybe not be a flagship member of that club making organization. Well, what are you paying for? You know, if you're if you're the CEO of a, an equipment company, you're 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 paying for your product to be on TV in prime time here in the United States because most of them are here in the United States, um, so that you have name recognition and player recognition. Uh, and if you're not getting that return on your investment, um, it's it's I'm sure going to be looked at askance and and they're going to have to restructure that. And you're also paying for the positive image of the players that you align yourself with. There's a reason that they have conduct unbecoming clauses in all of these, uh, all of these contracts. So if they're aligning themselves with a tyrannical murderous leader, look, if you, if you, if you look at who MBS is centralizing power, uh, committing all these uh, atrocities, you look at what he's doing to the citizens of his, of his country. Um, you know, ask yourself, I mean, would you have played for Stalin? Would you have played for Hitler? Would you have played for Mao? Would you have played for Pol Pot? Would I mean, you have played for Putin? <laughs> would you have played for Putin? Right. Uh, would, would you? Uh, and no. that's, that's who this guy is. Uh, right. 
He settles disputes with bone bones, uh, bone saws. Um, so, you know, he's not anybody who's is sponsoring players who are aligning themselves with this man who runs this league, who runs that fund, which runs and funds this tour. Um, I don't think is is getting exactly what they, they had in mind when they recruited these players. I agree. And and when you say a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't think the players really care. If you don't think the players care, Roy McElroy, not in his presser a half hour after winning on Sunday, standing on the 18th green made a point to take a shot at Greg Norman. And if you think that it's not on these guys' minds, you're wrong because it was his first motive to say, Hey, it gives me 21. That's one more than somebody else. And he was talking about Greg Norman. And so these guys do care. I noticed Justin Thomas made a comment on Twitter after about playing on the PGA tour. These guys do care. I am wondering how do you think, and I know uh, uh, Justin Thomas has said that he will not treat these guys any differently, but Brandel, have you seen anything different this week? You've been around the PGA tour a long time. You're at every single major championship. You're at all the major golf tournaments. You were here at the players. Have you seen guys maybe, are they being treated a little different? Are they not quite as welcome? Are there people who are kind of casting off some of these guys who have gone and feels as if they're taking money out of their pocket? Yeah, I'm not going to name the specific player, but I'll tell you this. Yesterday, uh, Billy Horschel was was on a tee uh, and a player, a pretty well-known player came over, said hi to him, and congratulated him on his win at the Memorial and Kevin Na was on the tee sort of right there beside him. And he looked at this player and, and, you know, made an overture to, to say hi. And the player ignored him and just turned around. Um, didn't, didn't acknowledge that they were there. So yeah, look, I mean, these players are, are actively involved in destroying the PGA tour. That's what they're doing. That that's, they're actively involved in ruining the professional game. Now, look, I mean, they're going to make a bunch of money and they're getting paid and they're justifying it by saying they're going to play less golf, which is a lie. Uh, they all want to continue to play the PGA Tour and play live golf. But they all have talking points from the Saudi uh, back league. They all have talking points. So they're all saying the same thing. Um, but they're, they are indeed. I used to make the analogy that they have been trilicious uh, for a totalitarian murderous regime. They are, in fact, now literally ventriloquists. They are opening their mouths and saying the words that were written down and prepared for them. They are all ventriloquisms. That's what they are. That's what they've turned into. But, hey, listen, they made a lot of money, but they've sold their souls, every one of them. They can't say what they think. They can't do what they want, uh, and they can't go where they want. And they, they can't walk around now without feeling uh, the ridicule of people who see right through this transparent money grab. Uh, and, and it's not just about money. Like it's not, it's, it's like, good for you. You're making some money, but just look where that money's coming from. Right. It it's is the suit. It's the sewer of ideas. I've made this analogy before. I mean, it, this money's coming from the sewer of ideas. Okay. You, you look at what this regime, this oppressive regime, their ideas, okay. That's where the money's coming from. It's a sewer. And you know, there's going to be people because the, the water looks crystal clear and they want to take a drink, but it's, it's coming from a sewer. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's going to be loads of people that are going to take umbrage with what these players are doing. And rightly so. Let me ask you a question of the people that have gone, the 17 PGA tour members, who surprises you the most? I mean, there, there's some we suspected, but is there somebody that kind of sticks out that you're like, yeah, I'm really shocked that person went. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, um, 
after Phil made his comments, I thought everybody would be fully aware where the money was coming. Before, I thought, ah, you know, whatever. They don't, they're not paying attention. They're busy playing golf. But after Phil made his comments, mm-hmm. you know, anybody defecting to this tour has surprised me. And, you know, I'm hearing names today, a few, a few names, a, a little bit bigger names. Um, but look, I thought Graham McDowell was a bit surprising because Graham McDowell uh, strikes me as a pretty sharp man, uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty sharp. Uh, and I can't imagine that Graham McDowell would have been paid lavish sums of money. Um, and by lavish, I mean, 50 million bucks. I, I just, so maybe he did this for less than $20 million or something. Mm-hmm. And by the time, by the time the government takes half and your manager takes 20, let's say he got 15 million, mm-hmm. that's seven and a half. I mean, you know, so his, gov- uh, his manager takes 3 million. So that knocks it down to 12. Um, the government takes half and knocks it down to six. Uh, so he's, he's done this for six, but he only gets 60% up front, six times six. So that's three, $3,600,000 that he's done this for up front. Does he, I mean, he still plays pretty competitively. Does he not right. believe that he could have another run or two that would allow him to easily? So literally, I mean, that's it right there. I bet you that's what he's just done. He's just made this move for, $3.6 million net. Uh, and that to me is, is, is surprising given Graham McDowell's talent, talent and intellect. I mean, I don't look at a lot of these guys as, as being introspective enough to fully comprehend uh, the moral consequences of what they're doing and the fact that they're also complicit in sports rushing, which means they're complicit in the atrocities that go forward from this. They're assuring the status quo and the permanence of these atrocities. I don't think they've, thought that through enough but graham graham strikes me as a pretty smart cookie uh and he would have thought that through haymaker coffee company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres who hustles and have the give it all mentality to achieve their american dream haymaker coffee only roast top quality specialty grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. Do you think there are people sitting on the fence that maybe after they've seen the first week, do you think that has driven them to maybe say, wait a second, I'll stay where I am? Or do you think what they saw last week will lead them to go, you know what, maybe I will give it a try? I just think it's about money. You know, guys are sitting around going, they're talking to their wives, significant others and they're saying, you know, should I take the money? And they're like, well, look, if you take the money, um, you know, you got this guarantee. You know, the thing about golf is uh, there are no guarantees. And I think that's, that's been a large appeal for the game of golf. I mean, I think that's why corporations are so attracted to the game of golf. Nobody's guaranteed money. You can never think that somebody's complacent. When you're watching the Saudi back league, you're watching players where you do not know that you think, well, Really, how hard is Dustin Johnson going to practice? How hard is he going to grind to make sure he's, his game's in tip-top shape when he shows up to play in these events? How hard? Is he giving his best efforts? Um, you know, maybe he is. Maybe he is. But it would be perfectly reasonable to think someone would be complacent after right. receiving all the money up front. Where is the, where is the need to grind? And you're no and, longer playing against the best players in the world. That's right. You know, um, you know, we always talk about 
when, when you get lost in a performance of opera or music or a play, what's the ultimate compliment? That they're singing like they don't need the money, like they're just completely wrapped up in the art. They, right. they, they transcend to a place where they become the music, where they become uh, their lines, where they become the game. They're not thinking about the money. Uh, Tom Brady. It, Tom Brady's not playing because he needs money any longer. Tom Brady's playing for the love of the game and the love to drive to be the greatest of all time and widen the gap that's already there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you're when you're watching these Saudi back leagues, just be, you know, you'd be aware you're watching players who've been well compensated. Um, so where where's the fire? Um, and uh, I, I got to believe. Um, you know, from a competitive standpoint, the PGA Tour will always have a leg up on them. Again, this is good versus evil is what this is. Um, it's 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 good money versus evil money. And it's uh, uh, highly engaged, motivated competitors against what you would argue to be complacent um, uh, competitors. I agree. R- real quick, before we let you go, I know you're on a hard out. You've got a very busy week this week doing live from. Uh, there at the uh, at, at the country club in Brooklyn, who do you like this week at the U.S. Open? I, I think the guys that have played in the Saudi League, I think they're at a disadvantage this week because there's a lot going on. And as you know, golf is as much mental as it is golf swing and and, and physical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who do you like this week? I believe it to be somebody who is a member of the PGA Tour and is and has been playing well as of late. Yeah. Well, nobody over playing in the Saudi league has got any semblance of form uh, at all. They didn't have any going into that league and they don't have any coming out of it. Uh, I, I discount um, any of the results there because they weren't playing against the best players in the world, but uh, still make the cut. Uh, I don't think so. No, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if we had a, a replay of what happened last week uh, with uh, Justin Thomas uh, Justin Thomas hasn't played particularly well uh, in the U.S. Opens, but but Rory has the last three years played very well in the U.S. Opens. And just I haven't seen Rory put together.